You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. So we're talking about your spiritual footprint today. I went online the other day because I heard a lot about carbon footprint, and that's how we got the title, you know, carbon footprint, spiritual footprint. It's, yeah, kind of tacky. But anyhow, we, we put it out there, and I wanted to find out what my carbon footprint was or is. Does anybody else know what your, your carbon footprint is? Anybody have an idea of that? We have one, two. Do I see another hand? Three. Three. Four. Four hands. That's pretty good. That last service we had three hands. Last night we had two hands. We had another service we'd have five hands. So, you know, we've got a number of hands today, which is great. And I went online. I found out that the average Canadian footprint for carbon is 20, 000, or 20, 20 tons of CO2 a year. And so I did my little calculations, and that's where I figured in about 20 tons of CO2. And I didn't even know I was leaving 20 tons of CO2 behind me, but I guess I am. And you know what? The fruit of the Spirit is somewhat different, similar. Your spiritual footprint, you don't realize you're leaving a footprint, but you are. When we live our Christian life, we actually are leaving a footprint behind us. There's something left. There's fruit that is in our lives that other people are enjoying. Kind of different than carbon footprint, but you leave a footprint even though you don't realize it. So today we're going to go through some principles of the fruit of the Spirit, because that's really the footprint that we leave is this fruit. That's how we're known. So in your handout, we're going to go through a few points today, and the main verse out of Galatians where the fruit of the Spirit is found, if you have your Bibles turned there, or you can look on the screen. And uh, this is a good verse to memorize as we're going through the series, Galatians 5 and verse number 22 and 23. And uh, here we read, Galatians 5, 22, 23. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's nine of them. Now, when the Holy Spirit controls our life, this happens. If he doesn't control our lives, if he's not in our lives, this doesn't happen. But if he's in our lives and controls our lives, then this is what happens. And it says that he makes it happen. Let's put that verse up one more time. We want to read it out loud together. Can we say it together? But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Lord was speaking to the disciples and to the people at his time, and we read about it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. He said, this was the Sermon on the Mount. He said, yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. People will know we're Christians by the fruit in our lives, and this fruit is the family traits. This is how we're known by Different families have different traits. If you go to an Italian family, there's certain Italian traits in that family. If you go to a Filipino family, they have certain Filipino family traits. If you go to a German family, certain German family traits. If you go to a Canadian family, there's certain Canadian family traits. And so there's certain God family traits. And the God family traits are the fruit of the Spirit. This is who we are if we're in God. This is who God is, and this is what we become. We become like our Father when we're around Him and when we're with him, the Holy Spirit produces these type of traits or characteristics in our life. And the Lord said, this is how people will know that you're followers of mine, by the fruit. You judge a tree by its fruit. I could take this apple 
and give it to a blind person and say, I just picked this fruit off of a tree, and I'd like you to tell me what kind of tree that is. And they would taste this apple and say, well, that's an apple tree, because the apple tree is known by its fruit. We as believers are known by our fruit. That's how we're known. Now, it's a right to wear a cross around your neck, and that may point that you're a believer, but really, you can wear a cross around your neck and not be a Christian. That isn't the proof, really, that you're a believer. The proof is the fruit. You can put bumper stickers all over the back of your car, Jesus saves, have a fish, and you can put all that on your car, but that doesn't mean you're a follower of Christ. It's the fruit in our life that shows that we're a follower of his. Colossians 1 verse 10, that note is in your handout. It says, and we pray... This in order. Now, this is a good prayer to pray for your family, your friends, co-workers, so forth. We pray this in order that you may have a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Paul was praying for people to bear fruit. We pray for a coastal church to bear fruit. Wouldn't it be great if coastal church is just known for a place they're kind there? You go to that church, they're gentle there. You go to that church, they're faithful, they're consistent. If they come to work for you, they show up faithfully, they're faithful in what they do, this is who they are. That's a great way to be known. He says, I'm praying for you, Paul, says that you would bear fruit in every good work, whether you're working at home, you're working in your community, you're volunteering for the soccer club, in your job site, everywhere you go, you bear good fruit. Not just on Sunday when you come to church and they say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Yes, kindness and joy. I am a Christian. I am all happy. But then you go to your workplace and you're a different kind of person. Or you go to your, you go a night out with the boys or a night out with the girls and you're a different person. No, this is bearing fruit in every good work. Wherever you are, you're bearing this fruit. That's how we know we're believers. Paul was praying for that. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Another good verse is Psalm 34, verse 8. Here the psalmist writes, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We sang about his love earlier. The love of God. How endless, how pure, how strong. How great is the love of God. But I have a question for you this morning. How will the world ever taste that the Lord is good? He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You tell somebody who doesn't know the Lord, you go, okay, yeah, right. Now, now, where am I supposed to meet him? How am I supposed to taste him? This sounds a little strange. How do I taste and see that the Lord is good? Think about it. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? The way we taste and see that the Lord is good is when the fruit of the Spirit is in our lives. That's how people taste and see that the Lord is good. Because we are a reflection of God. They see God in us. That's why Paul wrote, it's Christ in us. The hope of glory. What gives the world hope is when they see fruit, when they see God living in us, when they see his love in us. Now, it's one thing to to love your friends, to love those who love you, but Jesus said to love your enemies. Now we're getting to the fruit. It's one thing to be joyful and happy when it's a sunny day like today and we just got paid and we got a new suit or we just went shopping or we parred the golf course and, man, we're really happy. That's one thing to be joyful. But it's another thing to be joyful when everything went sideways and everything went wrong and then people are watching, now what are you really made of when things go backwards or when you're having a hard time? That's when the fruit really shines through. And that's when they taste and see you got something different. 
Your God is good because you are getting a strength and you have something living in you that I normally wouldn't see. So people will know we're Christians by the fruit in our lives. The gifts of the Spirit reveal the power of God. But the fruit of the Spirit reveals the nature of God. We need the power of God. We need miracles. We need signs and wonders. We need that. And that points to God, but it is the fruit that reveals the nature of God. And we are drawn to the nature of God, and we, are, we, we remain close to God when we understand his nature more than his power. So we need both, but the nature of God is revealed through the fruit of the Spirit. A number of years ago, Chuck Colson was in Jakarta, Indonesia. He's in the airport in a very, very long lineup. They've been traveling a long time. Their flight's been delayed. It's now early in the morning, and they're waiting for this flight. The lineup snakes through the airport. It's hot, it's wet, it's steamy, and he's traveling with a group of his fellow workers from prison fellowship, and they're standing in this lineup. And he writes in his book that's called Being the Body. Passport in my sticky hand, I was exhausted and exasperated at the long, inefficient line snaking ahead of us. I was worried we'd miss our next flight and the ministry friends who were waiting for us. Chuck adds, I was also determined not to let my frustration get the better of me. I talked with my friends, we laughed, and we made the best of the situation. Two years later, he received a letter from a businessman who lived in Singapore. The man had been a follower of Confucius, but he sent his children to a Sunday school at a Presbyterian church for moral training. One Sunday, as he picked up his kids, he heard the end of the sermon. A visiting missionary held up a new copy of Chuck's first book, Born Again. On the cover was a picture of Chuck. A few months later, this businessman was stuck in a long line in steamy Jakarta Airport. Glancing over to the next line, he spotted the same face he'd seen on the cover, Born Again. He was so impressed by Chuck Colson's calm demeanor and cheerfulness that when he got back to Singapore, he got the book, he read it, and he committed his life to Christ. What got this guy? What attracted this businessman to the Lord? In that lineup in Jakarta, you know what he did? He ate fruit. He ate the fruit of joy, of patience, of the life of Chuck Colson. And when he ate that fruit, inside the fruit was a seed. And the seed was the gospel. It was the message of Christ. And that got in his heart. And later on it germinated and he gave his life to Jesus. That's how they know we're Christians, by our fruit. That's point number one. People will know we're Christians by the fruit in our lives. Number two, principles of the fruit. Spiritual fruit is not the fruit of our labors. Common phrase, the fruit of our labors. We can't produce it on our own. This fruit comes only as we submit our lives to the Holy Spirit. You can't work this up. You can't say, today I will be happy. I choose to be joyful. I will read a book on happiness. I will say my mantra. I will do whatever, but I will be happy. I will. Ch-. This is a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Say that with me. Fruit of the Spirit. One more time. Fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of your spirit, not of your mind, not of your body, not of your will, not of your emotion. This comes from your spirit. And the Holy Spirit generates it on the inside of you. John 15 verse 8 says this, This is my Father's glory. What brings glory to the Father? 
that we bear much fruit. This is what really pleases God. Showing yourself to be my disciples. If we're a disciple of Jesus, if we follow him, if we're plugged into him, this is good news. The fruit just happens. You don't have to, you don't have to make it happen. It just grows out of your life. You know, this, this pear doesn't say, today I have to be a pear. I am going to work at being a pear. I am supposed to be a special shape. I am supposed to turn from green to kind of an orangey yellow. And I am supposed to have this texture. And today I will be a pear. Now the tree just grows pears. Believers, we just grow love. That's what we do. We just grow Patience. We just grow self-control. We just produce it. It comes into our lives. We don't have to force ourselves to do it. It's just part of being plugged into God. This is the benefits of it. If no other reason to be a Christian, that would be a great reason. That just by being part of Him, we produce this. It comes naturally out of our lives. It just, it's not a struggle to bear fruit. It just happens. Now, it doesn't happen instantly. If you plant a tree, you don't have fruit the next day. It takes a while for it to grow. And if you're new to a Christian, you don't automatically have all this fruit in your life. It takes time to grow. But the idea is uh, the more you become a Christian, the longer you stay and get to know God, the more fruitful you are. A couple years ago, Sharon and I bought a, a plum tree. Got this plum tree. I like plums. Plum. We have something we call plouts. It's a, it's a Mennonite dish, you know, and it, it, it's really good with plums. And, and so we, we bake plum, different things with plums, and I like plums. Sometimes eat too many plums, but plums are good. And, and so I, I got a plum tree, and we planted it in the backyard, watered it, and got it the right place. And, you know, we came out later in the fall, no plums. Oh, man. Next year, you're going to have plums. Watered it and got it all ready. And next year, guess what? No plums. This year, went back and I mowed the lawn. And uh, I'm going by and I see something on the tray. Plums. Plums are on the tray. A couple years later, plums are on the tree. And I picked one off and put it in my pocket. It was still green. But I was so excited that plums were on the tree. I took it home. I said, Cheryl, we got plums on the tree. We were excited. We didn't have a lot. Next year, there'll be more plums on the tree. You know, when people get connected with God, it takes a while to get rooted. It takes a while for the life of God to flow through us. Sometimes we've got to cut some new believers some slack. Just let them grow and mature. The fruit's coming. The fruit's coming. Boy, you know, just as a pastor, I'll let you know. Sometimes I'll just stand and people say, you know, uh, this person did this and that could be different. I say, you know what? They're new. Give them some time. The fruit's coming. Relax. We don't become like this overnight. It's a process. It takes a while for a fruit tree to produce fruit, but it produces. And it'll produce more and more in the years to come. Number three principles of the fruit. Mountain tops are for views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valleys. Billy Graham said that. Great statement. On the mountaintops, we get inspired. We have these awesome experiences with God, and we see God revealing things to us, and we, we really like those experiences, and we need them. But fruit is grown in the valleys. This summer, Cheryl and I went on a road trip back to Alberta, where I grew up, and then into Saskatchewan, and came back. And when we went through the mountain passes, I think... 
The highest that I saw was about 1,500 meters over these mountain passes. And you know what? Up there, I didn't find any plum trees, didn't find any cherry trees, no peach trees, no apple trees, no trees at all up there. But when we got into the valley, when we came down into a soyus, guess what? Lots of trees, lots of fruit trees, Penticton, lots of fruit trees, but they're in the valley. And that's where God grows the fruit in our lives, in the valley. We need mountaintop experiences, but it's in the valley that the fruit is produced. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says this. Considered a sheer gift, friends. We all like gifts, so what kind of gift is this? Considered a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, under pressure. Now, the root word for fruit in the Greek is to squeeze, to force, to pressure. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true color. That's when we really see the fruit in our lives is in the valleys of our life. And that's also when really people see it in our lives is when we're under pressure. That's when our true colors show. And that's really when people enjoy the fruit in our lives is when we're under pressure. Number four, fruit grows best when our lives are planted by the river. Planted in a home group, planted in church, doing regular prayer times, devotions, and abiding with God. That's when we grow, when we're planted by the river. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. He does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. And never fails to bear fruit. Folks, you can go through a year of drought. But if you're planted and you're rooted in church, in community, doing it God's way, you'll still bear fruit. You'll still have it in your life. Joy, peace, long-suffering. These fruits will still be in your life. Because you're planted. You're near the water. You're near the source. Stay planted. Rick Warren, when he was... Coming out of seminary, he was going through some real struggles in his life about his own personal growth and just struggling with continued growing God. And he wrote a hundred of the leading churches and he asked their pastors, what does it take to keep growing? He got all kinds of responses back. He said, but one response really stood out to him. Two words the guy wrote back and was stay put. And if you want to keep growing, you just stay put. I will stay planted. I'll keep growing. I'm not moving. I'm going to stay planted in the house of the Lord. Now, if the church gets goofy, find a church that isn't goofy. If the pastor, if Cheryl and I get weird, then, then find a place that's solid and just go on there. I, you do that, you know. But if the, if the church loves God, the, the pastors love God, and we're not perfect, you're going to find things that aren't right. But if the, if the theology is orthodox, if the pastors love God, and the, then just stay planted. And the little thing that bugs you as you pray about it will disappear in a little while anyhow. Just stay planted in the house of God and continue to bear fruit. Yeah. Number five, fruit receives nutrients from the branch 24-7. When this fruit hangs on the tree, it doesn't just say, oh, now it is 6.30 in the morning, and I'm going to have my little five-minute devotional. <laughs> okay, I am good for another 24 hours. Set my timer, it is 6.30. <laughs> I am good for another 24 hours. No, no, <laughs> it, it would never grow into fruit if it did that. 
It abides in the vine. We have to abide in Christ. We can't just, okay, it's Sunday, take a bigger drink. Okay, I am good, that's it, I don't need anything more. No, to really have fruit in our lives, you have to abide in the vine. And that doesn't mean you go around, you know, with this holier-than-thou attitude. Hmm, I'm praying now. I am walking through the mall. I am holy. I am praying. I have my cross on. And No, 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 no. That's not what it means. It's just mean God conscious. I'm aware of him. You know, if I'm abiding with my wife and I'm walking down the mall, it's not like I'm talking to her all the time. We're just doing life together. I'm aware that she's in my life. I may call her during the day, say, how's it going? And she'll call me, and we text back and forth. We just do life together. To abide in the vine means you're just conscious of God being in your life, and you, you live your life in a way to please him. You're abiding in him. And then that, that life that comes from him flows into you 24-7, and you produce fruit. But Christians that just take a little sip now and then, they wonder why there's no fruit in their life. And people can't see God in their life. It's this abiding principle that we read about in John chapter 15, verse 5. I have it in the Message Bible for you. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined, abundant, oh, sorry, when you are joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic. God wants us to have an intimate, organic relationship with him. You know, the buzzword today is to eat organically, Right? We want to eat food that hasn't got pesticides sprayed on it, or we want to have food that hasn't been genetically engineered or radiated or chemicals added. You know, we're just we're realizing it's better to eat the just go back to the basics if we can and eat good, basic, wholesome food. And you know, I think the world is just ready for good, basic Christianity. I, I think they're tired of the hype and the pizzazz and additives and the glitz, and they're just saying. Just, just give me the fruit, and I'll be really happy with it. Because we like love, we like joy, we like peace, we like self-control, and I find that really attractive. And just let me have the basics, basic Christianity, and I'm very attracted to it. The Lord says here, or, or uh, yeah, say the relationship is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. If we separate ourselves from him, we can't produce this fruit. It's impossible. Now, you can put on a happy face and you can have some joy, some kindness, but it isn't the God kind of fruit. All right. Number six. The taste of the fruit precedes the power of the seed. Now, this is an important point. Our hearts are like soil. The object is to get the seed into the heart and the fruit is designed to warm the heart. In, the, in this apple, there are seeds. The fruit is the wrapping around the seed. But I may know that if we want to have more apples, the fruit part, this wrapping part, doesn't produce apples. Apples are produced by the seed inside the apple. Now, when people pick this fruit off my life, they take it and they enjoy it. Not only does the fruit come into their life, 
The seed comes into their life. When this man was standing in the airport and he saw Chuck Colson there and he saw the fruit of patience and the fruit of joy, when he took that in and digested it in his spiritual heart, the seed also went with it. What is the seed? It's this incorruptible seed. We read about it in the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, where it says, having been born again, now watch this, not of... Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Jesus is the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1. The word is the seed. Where is the seed? The seed is wrapped up in the fruit. What was God's plan for more grapefruits to be in the world? He put the grapefruits on the tree. The grapefruit has seed in it. The grapefruit falls to the ground. And eventually what happens is that seed gets into the soil and more grapefruit trees grow. When God puts seed in the fruit that's in our lives, people taste it, they enjoy it, they see it, and eventually that seed gets into the hearts of people because the fruit makes it very attractive. But if I just give people seed, they go, well, that's that's pretty harsh. I don't know if I can swallow that. But if the seed, this message is wrapped in love, wrapped in joy and peace, the nature, the traits, the character of God... Also, that seed becomes very attractive and easy to digest. Christianity without the fruit is very hard to digest. But wrap it in this and go, wow, this is amazing. And it gets into our heart, our heart soil, and all of a sudden, whoosh, we, out of that, growth, born again, became new. We go back to the relationship. The seed that's in the fruit of love points me back to the author of love. God is love. The seed in joy points me back to the author of joy. God is joy. The seed in patience points me back to the author of patience. God is patient. So the seed brings us back to it. The fruit is designed to bring you back to the Father, to relationship with Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes a while. Because you've planted a lot of fruit in your life, folks, and you just never know when the seed's going to sprout up. And sometimes you plant fruit and people pick the fruit off your life and you don't know when it's going to come back. A couple of months ago, I was looking out of my window. We, our apartment overlooks Georgia Street. And I saw this four-wheel drive, this Jeep coming down the road. And he's jacked up really high. He's kind of tricked out. And, he, and I, I'm watching it because it got my attention while I was, doing, while I was reading. And uh, I see him. And he, also he comes to a stop. Oh, what happened here? The guy jumps out. And he's pushing his Jeep. And I'm doing my devotions. And I go, oh, poor guy. He's got to push his Jeep. And, I'm, and uh, then the Lord interrupts me. He says, you know what? Maybe he needs a push. I thought, but Lord, I'm doing my devotions very spiritual. <laughs> he said, but maybe he needs a push. And so I, okay, okay. So I got changed. I went down there and I said, hey, how you doing? Do you need a push? He goes, yeah, man, that'd be great. Can you help me just get over this curb? So I, I helped push it over the curb. We get off the road. And then I said to him, what happened? He said, oh, I ran out of gas. And uh, my, he had problems with his wallet. His card got stolen or something. He says, you know what? I'm late for work. I'm going to have to have somebody call me and, uh, and get to work. And so he gets on his phone. He's, he's calling this guy. And I said, okay, great. So I walk back up to my apartment. Okay, I've done my thing. And I'm on the way up the elevator. And I sense the Lord speaking to me. Why don't you... Give him some gas. 
I said, but Lord, I have to do devotions, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not really... You have all these excuses, right? I, I know you wouldn't do it, but I did that. I thought, so, 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 okay, I'll go back. I got my wallet, and I come down there. And, and I come up to him and say, hey, uh, you said you ran out of gas. I'd like to go buy you some gas. He goes, what? I said, yeah, I'll go buy you some gas. Why? Why do you want to buy me some gas? He's like, I, I'm offering this fruit, right? He's like, is it poison fruit, or why do you want to do this? I, no, 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 no strings attached. I'll just go down, I'll buy some gas. He says, well, you don't have a jerry can. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a jerry can, no worries. I'll get some gas and get you on the road. He goes, okay, whatever. So I went down to Chevron, got my little gallon of gas, came back and poured it into his truck. And he said, man, thanks a lot. I, I can't believe you'd do that. And I said, well, you know, I'm just glad to help out. I saw you run over and I know that you'd probably do the same thing for me. Somebody come along and help me. He goes, yeah, that's great. He said, I'll pay you back. I said, oh, no, don't worry about it. Just, just take it. Glad to help out. He said, no, 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 I'm going to come by. Where do you work? I'll come by your office. I'll pay you back. I says, <laughs> yeah, well, I just work down here on Georgia Street. He said, I'll come by. He says, what do you do? I said, well, I pass to the church there. He goes, oh. <laughs> you passed the church. He was really keen on coming by until I told him that. I don't know why. Maybe he had these misconceptions like we have about home group, right? And I, said, I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. We love God, love you. We'd love to have you come by. If you, if you want to pay, great. No worries. Just come by anytime. And it, you don't have to, but please, if you'd like to, that'd be great. And uh, so I, I left it at that. I walked back in, and, and the concierge was there, and he goes, Where'd you go? I saw you went on push. What did you do now? I said, oh, I, I went and bought him some gas. Is she, what? You bought him some gas? Why did you buy him gas? I said, because you ran out. <laughs> and he was, he was shocked. And I thought, and I, I didn't say anything more. I just went and put it away. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, this guy calls me up. And he says, hey, I haven't forgot about that. I'm, I am going to come by, and I want to pay you for the gas. And I said, I said, no worries. If you can, that's great. If you don't, that's, that's fine. You know, I haven't heard from him since. Maybe he's here this morning for all I know. I don't know. If you are, I love you. <laughs> but I just, I realized that it was fruit. You know, it was, it was just kindness that was pulled off the tree that morning. But the fruit, the kindness may have been eaten, but the fruit seed is still at work. And I don't know when it's going to germinate. Maybe you'll need some love. Maybe he'll need some self-control. Maybe he'll need some other fruit to be eaten before he says, hey, I want to know there's something that was in that seed. I'm attracted to the love of God. There's a seed that got inside of me. It's growing, and I want to know the God you know. So it's at work. Uh, That was principle number six. The taste of the fruit precedes the power of the seed. Number seven, your family should be first to enjoy the fruit in your life. Don't let it get all picked off at work or school. You know, it's easy to go to work and we're kind at work. We're gentle at work. Self-control when the boss comes in and says, rah, 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 rah. And we go, yes, okay, I will get it done. And, and uh, we're, we're careful to be joyful. And we have the fruit of the Spirit at work. We come home, we feel like the tree got picked bare. Like there is no love left, buddy. There is no joy. Joy left at noon. There is no gentleness. What is gentleness? Dog, get out of my way. I'm coming home. And there's just nothing left because it got picked off. Now, I am saying you should let it be picked off at work. I'm just saying 
Let family, make sure your family, your loved ones have the fruit in your life. There are too many homes that have been broken because the fruit was never enjoyed by family. It was never enjoyed by the loved ones. Parents didn't enjoy the fruit from the kid's life. Kids gave it away to everybody else, but none for mom and dad. Robert Schuller was on a whirlwind tour promoting his book. He had to go to eight cities in four days. That's a lot of airports, out of airports, sitting down, signing books, smiling, joyful, kindness, gentleness, a lot of self-control, a lot of fruit being picked out of his life. He's on his way home, and one of the promotions of the book was a raffle where people could buy a lunch with Robert Schuller. And the secretary says, when you get back, you have a luncheon tomorrow, and somebody has bought the ticket, and uh, you need to be ready for that. And he looked at the name who bought the ticket, and he was very sober. Because that person he knew spent their life savings to have a meal with him. $500. But what really sobered him, that person who spent their life savings was his daughter. She spent all the money in her piggy bank so she could sit down and enjoy the fruit in daddy's life. Who should have it first? Family, loved ones, friends. Maybe someone in the hospital. Maybe an aunt you've never called. Maybe a grandmother. Maybe a dad. Maybe a son, a daughter. Maybe a friend you haven't talked to for a long time. They should be able to enjoy the fruit in our lives. Amen? Amen. All right. Got real quiet there, so just want to make sure you're still with me. And then number eight, God prunes our lives to bear more fruit. John 15, 2, he removes every one of my branches that doesn't produce fruit. He also prunes every branch that does produce fruit to make it produce more fruit. And just like a good gardener, takes and cuts off some branches so there's more fruit, God will prune our lives. He'll ask you to cut out some activities. He'll ask you to make some changes to bear more fruit. He's not doing it to be mean. And it hurts a little bit to be pruned, but you bear more fruit. The good gardener, when he prunes the fruit trees, he's not doing it to be mean. He knows the tree is healthy. If he doesn't do it, that tree is going to eventually die and not produce fruit. But by pruning it, he knows that tree will have a long life. When I was in Israel, I saw some of these fig trees that have bared fruit for years, but they're so carefully uh, manicured and loved on and pruned. They, they love those trees. God loves us. He prunes our lives so we can grow more fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. This is his will, that we bear fruit. That's what we're to do, because in our fruit, in that fruit, again, is the seeds, the, the nature of God that changes people's lives. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Every week we're going to cover two fruits. Today we're introducing the topic and talking about just the love, the first fruit of the Spirit. John 13, 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. What will prove to the world that you're a follower of Christ? This fruit, this fruit of love, that will prove it. You can wear a cross around your neck. That may give some indication, but that's not the proof. You may come to church here. They see you walk in and out, but that's not the proof either. The proof is when the fruit is hanging in our life. There's a woman who was brought to Jesus. She was in a temple teaching. A lot of people there, and she was caught in the act of adultery. They drag her in. They don't bring the guy. They drag her. A lot of emotions. They could execute her for what she did. Her hair's messed up. Tears in her face, embarrassed, 
would rather be anywhere but there, publicly humiliated and dragged in front of Jesus. And Jesus gives us here an example of bearing fruit, the fruit of love. He looked around and he addressed the other people, said, hey, if you don't have any sin, go ahead and throw a stone. And they all left. And he was telling her, you're not alone. Love says you're not alone. You've missed it, but you're not alone. I love you. I understand. Love understands. And then secondly, he said, I don't condemn you. I'm not condemning you. I love you. I'll rebuild your life. I'll renew your life, but I'm not going to destroy your life. And she really blew it. But she was being loved on by our Lord. And then third, he said, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Go and sin no more. If you do this again, you're going to destroy your life. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Don't do this again. Go and sin no more. This was the fruit of love in our Lord's life. He demonstrated all the fruit of the Spirit. Many examples, but here is one prime example of how he demonstrated this fruit of love. You know, it hasn't changed today. He loves you. You could be here today and say, I love to have this fruit in my life. How does that happen? By inviting Christ into your life. And you could feel like this woman who's done things wrong and say, I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, but this is his love. While we were yet far from him, he loved us. He accepted us. Would you accept what he's done for you? Would you invite him into your life? That needs to be our response. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.